Welcome, everybody. This is the most important place you can be at this very moment, the U.S. Great Sports Podcast. We appreciate you being with us. I'm Doug Berry, along with my very good friend, Father Richard Heilman. And our guest tonight, a returning guest once again, Michael Hitchborn from the Lapato Institute. Looking forward to getting into some really great conversation, of course, because we're questioning, did Nancy Pelosi really leave the church? <laughs> but before we do all this, we got to start with prayer. So, Father, we turn this over to you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray and do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Father. And everybody else out there, thank you so much for spending time with us, watching or listening to this podcast, depending on what platform you're engaged in right now. This podcast is brought to you completely by you. And that means everything to us, your prayers, your support, your financial backing through Patreon. If you're interested in supporting us through Patreon, click the link in the description below and you can be a tremendous help because this message needs to get out to as many people as possible. We're living in very tough times. We know this. And I want to quote Father John Harden, who passed away, oh, I'm going to say close to 20 years ago. And Father John Harden said that in the times to come, which of course, this is around 2000, he said, ordinary Catholics will not survive, only heroic Catholics. That's what we're in right now. And we're seeing this throughout our faith all over the world. And we're going to address a lot of it tonight. Michael is an amazing guest. He's a, he's a good friend of ours, and we've had him on several times, and he'll be on more in the future, God willing. We want to address this particular question. Did Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi, leave the church. Now, some of you were thinking, well, what does this mean, Doug? Did she actually walk away from the faith? Well, we're going to look into that because, number one, she did physically leave a church recently because of so-called security issues, they told us, and we'll break that down. But then also the question, when someone chooses to live the faith a certain way, very cafeteria-like, okay, picking and choosing how they want to express it and choosing very clearly not to abide by many very serious absolute truths in the faith does that then mean that they indeed left the faith is that the same for any of us so we want to break this down question this michael's a great guest to be able to to talk about this michael thank you so much for being willing to jump on this podcast with us again we hope it doesn't hurt your reputation being affiliated <laughs> with uh with father and myself it's oh, quite a motley mind. crew i think <laughs> <laughs> and by the way michael was out at the uh rosary rally at the time we record this we just got back from the rosary rally in washington dc and father this was i think the fifth year and i, I thought it just went fantastic oh even my goodness. though every year things seem to ramp up in our society and our world the faithfulness of the remnant that keeps showing up for this event is just is amazing and the connection with people all over the world is just phenomenal i think it really is. And to see that procession with our Lord, the Holy Eucharist, mm. through the streets of Washington, you know, uh, processed by uh, Bishop Coffey of the Archdiocese of the Military. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. And, of course, we had uh, Monsignor Charles Pope out there and, uh, you know, Sister Didi. It just was, uh, it was unbelievable. And you could just feel the faith, the hope, and the love. It was palpable in that place. Uh, people have just strong faith in uh, we had a few hundred there that, that came out with us, but then uh, nationwide, there were tens of thousands of people who, wherever they were, they just went out in groups out and we asked people to go outside and pray. And then the rosary, the glorious mysteries were led mm -hmm. by Bishop Coffey of the Archdiocese of the Military at precisely at uh, 3 p.m. Central Time. 
we and we this was a collection Doug and and Michael too I've been saying and, and I said when when I got my chance to speak that this is the 450th anniversary of the Battle of Lepanto mm. and what they did 450 years ago they were weak and divided they were about to be taken out but they gathered the remnant forces mm. and this is something I like to get into talking about because because uh, we were talking about before the show started Michael too but um but this is a gathering of people that have that divine life, that have that that supernatural faith. We got to collect all those up, and and uh, they're, they're they've gotten small. They're remnant, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that have that true, real, authentic, supernatural faith. But that's what this was a collection of. So the the belief in these prayers uh, from these tens of thousands uh, this this Sunday. Uh, was incredible. So I, I, God's going to do something amazing. I know because we called out and we asked for the powerful intercessory prayers of Our Lady, and uh, and and we prayed mightily. And there we were on the nation's capital grounds. Uh, it was all good. And then we handed out blessed salt and holy water, epiphany holy water, and asked people to sprinkle it around the grounds. And so it, it was just it was unbelievable. Like yeah. I said, it was palpable. This this you, you cut the joy and the the love and the, and the faith uh, with a knife. It was, well, it was unbelievable. And one of the coolest things that happened right before um, uh, the rally began, I had received a text message from uh, someone out in California. And they said, we're gathering right now in Beverly Hills, getting ready for the rosary. Yeah. And then he said, let them have it out there in DC. Nice. You know? So both coasts right there, just a neat little representation. And as you said, there were many people from all over there, all over the parts of the world, but just to get that message right before it began from Beverly Hills out in California saying, we're ready to go. Let's get into this now. And, and yeah. that's the excitement about it is that there are people, you know, the, the representation of just a few hundred people, just a few hundred people, which I think is a really good turnout considering the circumstances in DC is not accurate. Because there are so many more people all over the place who are grabbing the rosary. They're joining with, with a couple more people or, 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 or tens or 20 or 30 or 100 more people. And they're, they're doing these, these, uh, these collective prayer groups of the rosary all over the place. So yeah. really, we have to realize that there are so many people involved in this. And, and Michael, you showed up out there. That was great. I know you live a couple hours from that area. You brought your family. We got to meet your wife, yeah. your mom, your kids. That was fantastic. Yeah. How did we yeah. sound up there? I mean, um, there is a rumor. There's a roof floating around that when I got up to speak, the clouds came back over the area and things got dark. I don't know. Is that it? Now, now, before you guys go any further, I think I don't <laughs> think we were as clear as we wanted to be about what the title of this program is. Okay? Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Nancy Pelosi did not leave the Roman Catholic Church. Doug, do you want to expound on that? Uh, well, yeah. As I yeah. said at the beginning, I mean, we are going to look at it, and Michael's our in-house expert. Well, we are. We, we, we said we were going to at the very beginning, so well, let's yeah, do we that just, right now. we, we got to get this, yeah, this yeah, fun yeah. stuff out of the way here but, <laughs> no, but yeah we, we do want to make sure we address this properly because you know yeah it's a type of title that gets people's attention yes but yeah. it is an accurate title because the question is real and yeah. michael we could just put this to you right now we know that a lot of debate a lot of discussion a lot of just angst has been really wrecking people right now and lately for many years over giving holy communion to politicians who publicly support abortion and other you know, immoral activity going on in the world. And so the question is, uh, double, you know, double meaning here. Number one, if you could break down and tell us about this event that happened in the church where Nancy Pelosi did physically walk out of mass and why, what they said, what happened, what the priest's response was, because I know some people probably have heard of it, but if you could break that down. And then second, let's get into a little bit more about 
what does it mean to truly be in the faith, in the church? Is it selective? Can you be selective in what you follow? But let's break that down second. Michael, thanks for being with us. Yeah. (laughs) We should let Michael talk now, Father. Michael, can you? (laughs) Oh, yeah, Michael's here. Yeah. Can you tell us about the Nancy Pelosi incident that happened in the church? Yeah. So the uh, the initial report came that uh, Nancy Pelosi was at mass at this particular parish in Rome, which is known as the American parish in Rome. And uh, the initial reports coming from people who were there were that she was heckled at mass and that as she was being heckled, she, um, she got up and she and her security detail and her husband, they, they got up and left. Now, she was scheduled to do the second reading at mass and ostensibly we are probably going to assume that she would have received Holy Communion as well. And uh, the priest got up either just before or just after mass. And there's a little brief one minute video of him talking. And he said, uh, you may have noticed the, uh, the incident that occurred uh, where uh, a, there was a security concern and Nancy had to leave and we're sorry to see her go. He, I don't know that he says that, but I mean, his whole tone was very conciliatory and very, mm. very, um endearing to poor nancy and um so then afterward uh as people were starting to try and piece together what happened uh there were then statements from this same priest who said oh there was no heckling there was no heckling um she wasn't heckled at mass there was there were protests down the street and her security detail got really concerned uh, that uh, they were getting closer and closer to the parish. And so they insisted that she leave and she didn't want to go, but uh, you know, because of the security threat, she had to go. And my immediate thought is as a Catholic sitting in mass, getting ready to fulfill my Sunday obligation. And my security detail says, we're afraid for your life. And you get up and leave if you don't go to mass that day, have you fulfilled your Sunday obligation? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I question that. But uh, with regard to her specifically, we know her disposition. We know what she's about. And certainly that priest knew what she was about. So why was he so apologetic about her ha- not being able to do the second reading and have mm-hmm. this great honor? For one thing, since when... Are the faithful supposed to be honored at mass by doing second readings and all that kind of stuff? That's that's not why we're there. Mm. We're there because Christ is in the Eucharist. We're there because we're there to worship and to receive him. Yeah. So but it's not no. it's not a celebrity acknowledgement type of thing, is what you're oh, saying. Oh, yeah. Well, they yeah. wanted to turn it into Hollywood squares. Mm. Look, we've got to be we've got to be fed up with the hypocrisy and the complicity that's destroying. So much of our faith, so many souls out there that have drifted because they see this, this, this sort of um, notoriety being so important, or we're giving communion to very obviously pro-abortion candidates. Archbishop Cordelione, and I know, Michael, you can speak to this too, he has spoken out about prayer and fasting from his whole diocese to stand up against and try to defeat some of the policies that Nancy Pelosi is trying to push forward. He's referred to it as child sacrifice, and he says that True people who believe in, in life, to paraphrase, um, 
would do this, but those who would support abortion are, um, what, how did you return? Um, devoted Satanists is yeah, the they're term not, that he, They're more like devout Satanists. Devout Satanists, yeah, devout yeah. Satanists. So, well, I mean, we, rather, we know that rather than devout Catholics. Correctly, that's it. That's correct, yeah. So, yeah. we know that we need to be fed up. I pray for them, but I'm not going to respect the position that is held by someone if what that position is is so, so just intrinsically evil, such as abortion. Well, I, I, go ahead, Michael. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Uh, it, there comes a time where it is important to use strong language. Nancy Pelosi is a scandal. She is an absolute scandal. And, and when you consider what she is doing in the name of the church, and we look back to some of the hard and strong words that bishops and priests had for individuals uh, who were a scandal to the church, uh, it, it, I mean, the things that we're saying here on this evening's po podcast uh, very much pale by comparison. I'll just read to you just this little portion from a letter that St. Patrick wrote, and it's it's the letter to the soldiers of Caroticus. And the, and the, the situation, uh, Caroticus was a king. He, he sent his murderous band of, of uh, warriors to go into various areas, and, and they would take newly christened uh, women and children, take them into slavery. They would slaughter the men. Uh, they would steal all their gold, and, and they were totally, horribly oppressing the Christians. And so St. Patrick sent this letter to the soldiers of Caroticus. And this is what he said of those soldiers. He said, I cannot say that they are my fellow citizens, nor fellow citizens of the saints of Rome, but fellow citizens of demons because of their evil works. By their hostile ways, they live in death, allies of the apostate Scots and Picts. They are blood-stained blood stained with the innocent Christians, with the blood of innocent Christians, whose number I have given birth to in God and confirmed in Christ. And then uh, he goes on and he talks about contemptuous and dehuman. So he says, um, I don't know which is the cause of the greatest grief in me, whether those who were slain or those who were captured or those whom the devil so deeply ensnared. They will face the eternal pains of Gehenna equally with the devil because whoever commits sin is rightly called a slave and a son of the devil. And, you know, and then you consider what Nancy Pelosi is doing. She has basically elevated abortion to a sacrament. Yeah. And she, she is consistently pushing for abortion, contraception, uh, the, the abomination of homosexuality and transgenderism. You put it all together and it's very clear that she has merited strong language, but the bishops don't handle her that way. Right. They don't handle her pretty much at all, except for Archbishop Corleone. Yeah. I, I, I look at this whole situation like the event, as, as we'll, we'll call it, uh, in Rome at that church where she, the, for security reasons, she had to leave. Um, uh, but I look at that and I say, it's a metaphor. You know, yeah. here she was ready to be the second reader, um, and then also to receive communion, and but she got up and chose to leave the parish, to, to leave the church before any of that. Mm -hmm. What's that like? Well, mm -hmm. in a spirit in spiritual realm, that's exactly what's what she's doing. She's making a decision. She's prioritizing uh, her beliefs, and her beliefs are directly contrary to God. It's a betrayal yeah. of God. And what is that? That's a choice. It's, it's, we're given free will. And it's a choice 
that like the Garden of Eden, we can either stay at Mass or stay in the Garden, or we can choose to leave. And I thought it was it was a, a powerful meta metaphor. And there she was in Rome too. Imagine if she stayed and did the second reading and received communion in front of God and everyone. Mm. Yep. I, I, my spidey sense says that this whole thing was calculated before Mass even started. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, that, that listen, uh, we can't have the optics of you actually reading and actually receiving communion. And so let's do this. Okay. You get your photo op of being in church on Sunday. You get your, you get the good warm feelings from everybody that your intention was to stay and read and, and receive communion. But, you know, for forces, you know, that are beyond your control, you had to leave. I mean, it's these, these political optics that people come up with are just, uh, it's incredible. And that's what my spidey sense says actually happened. But it also says, you know, it really went to what is actually happening in the spiritual, spiritual realm uh, for Nancy and for others. They're yeah. literally choosing not to be in the faith. They can claim all they want. They're devout Catholic. But, you know, as Archbishop Cordelion said, no, 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 no. Uh, what you're espousing is more like a devout Satanist. He said it, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. And, and, uh, that, but but those are the strong words that are needed. You you just said St. Patrick. You had some strong words yourself. Uh, there's people around uh, in, within the church that are beginning to to speak out. Of course, they're being chilled uh, mm. in every way. But uh, but we need more of this. We need more of this so that people so that why so that people are clear on what the church teaches and clear about our destination of heaven or hell. Okay, yeah. and the ramifications of the choices that we make are free will, and I, I just think it was was a powerful metaphor to to see her leave the church before uh, they actually got into the Word of God and and uh, receiving communion. Mm -hmm. Well, and I would take it a step further too. You talked about the politics of optics, uh, and and let's face it, I mean, she got her photo op. Right, she got her photo exactly. op when she went to visit with Pope Francis, and. That's right. uh, you know, it, it's the timing on a, that. A gushing Pope Francis. Yeah. I, I just was struck by it. I, yeah. I'm sorry. And well, again, and she, the optics. She, she, she wasn't veiled either, correct? Uh, I, no, I she was she not. was initially, but I don't think mm -hmm. she was uh, during mm -hmm. the during the visit. Which which really breaks tradition, doesn't, mm -hmm. doesn't it? Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I remember. There's another metaphor there too, but go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, the uh, the thing about the, the photo op is that the timing is very interesting mm. uh, because what are the bishops currently talking about and what is coming up for a discussion is whether pro-abortion Catholics should be denied Holy Communion. Right. Why did Pelosi go to Rome at all? Right. And, and uh, you know, ostensibly, this is all in anticipation of the COP26 summit and the, you know, the, the big... Um, the big thing on environmentalism that's going on that they're that they're pushing, but I, I don't, I'm not so sure I buy it because it um, it doesn't make sense. Pope Francis didn't go to it, uh, so why is she meeting with him? What what does this have to do with anything that's going on with regard to Roman and and um, uh, U.S. relations? It has nothing to do with any of that. She right. had no reason to be there. 
So if she had no reason to be there, at least politically speaking, uh, why was she there with regard to church optics? And the only conclusion I can come to is that it had everything to do with the current debate in the United States about denying Catholics uh, the Holy Communion when they are promote, you know, openly professing and promoting abortion and birth control and everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like our, like our current um, president? Uh, yep. Occupier of the White House. That's it. I, I say that, obviously, with, yeah, really? Uh, yeah. yeah, which is another one. You know, here down here in Texas with the heartbeat, you know, law that went through uh, after six weeks, acknowledging a heartbeat, you know, no abortions and so forth. And the president immediately jumped on that. Biden, I'm just going to say that. Joe, Uncle Joe, he, he, or Brandon, I'm not sure what Brandon. Brandon, yes. Yeah. We're trying to get, by the way, the audience, I want you to know, Father and I are looking for Brandon. We know there's a Brandon out there somewhere. We're trying to get him on the show. Yeah, Yeah, we'd like to have Brandon on the show, please. Yeah. So if Brandon could please step forward and tell us. Let's go, Brandon. Get in the show. Let's Let's go. go. Tell us who you are. We need need a comment from Brandon. Anyway, uh, uh, so yeah, so we've got we've got this this very very intense attack every time there's a movement towards trying to secure life. The -hmm. federal government um, under the the leadership of this this um, individual who has a hard time completing sentences. uh, He he just constantly driving like like uh, driving a you know, a rebar into concrete. We're just going to beat back down this idea that you can actually preserve life somewhere. Okay. As this continues to unfold, I mean, Michael, have we just gotten so used to this that even speaking out against someone like Nancy Pelosi or, or Biden uh, and really coming forward with some strong language? I mean, imagine, you know, which, uh, what Archbishop Cordelion said um, and compare that to what you read from St. Patrick. I mean, St. Patrick, I mean, you become sons of the devil, I think is the sure. term you use. I mean, that that is as is really in your face clear as it gets. And right. So why have we become, in your opinion, so soft as Catholics, as is 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 clergy when it comes to the strong language? I mean, if our Lord Himself says to the third servant, I'm always amazed by the third servant in Matthew 25, the three servants. The third servant who had one talent. And when he comes to the master, he says, I knew you were a hard master. You gathered where you didn't reap, you, you, or where you didn't plant, you reaped where you did not sow. So I took the talent and I buried it. Here it is back. So in other words, he didn't do anything bad with it, such as the prodigal son who took his father's inheritance and spent it on, you know, lascivious living and, and you know, reckless life, sinful life, um, obviously repents and comes back. This servant didn't do anything like that. He just didn't do anything with it. And not doing anything with it was serious enough that our Lord makes clear not doing what you should do with what I give you is pretty serious, pretty egregious. And when he says, I was afraid of you, our Lord's response is, you were lazy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even acknowledge, look, I understand you were a little, you know, unsure, maybe a little fearful. You know, he, he basically, you were lazy. Then he calls him a worthless servant. Yep. He takes the talent, take it from him, give it to the one with the 10 and throw him out where there's wailing and grinding of teeth. I mean, that's pretty harsh language for someone who doesn't actually do evil action necessarily, like leading children astray, having a millstone tied around your neck and thrown to the bottom of the sea, which our Lord makes clear. Um, so you take that, this is what I do. I take that in my mind and then I compare that to politicians out there who claim to be Catholic. I think Joe Biden's words years ago when someone questioned his Catholicism, he said, anybody questions whether or not I'm Catholic, I'm going to shove my rosary beads down their throat. That's <laughs> one thing. He said that publicly. I'm not making that up. Right. So you've got this kind of reaction. Well, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's let you know. So let's so go. Brandon. Do you do you do you know what that whole parable really is about? No, break it down. It's it's, it's actually about the bishops. Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, go that ahead. What do you got? Every, okay, I, had, I hadn't heard it this way. Go. Let us have, so let us have the it. three stewards. By by, are, by the way, the the readings this morning were uh, pretty. Um, volatile jesus toward the spiritual leaders of his day so mm -hmm. uh this is this has precedent go ahead right. michael right so <laughs> the the three stewards are actually bishops and it, it's the uh, the amount that they're given has to do with the size of their bishopric or, or you know the 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 amount of souls that are given under their charge the reason our lord uses the illusion of of currency is because it's as saint thomas aquinas mentions the economy of grace and the gold, the talents actually represent the, the grace that is given to the, uh, their souls, their souls. And, and it's the economy of souls. So the, the, the amount that was given, 10, 10 talents to the first and, and um, five, he was given five. five talents. Yeah. yeah five, three and one. one. Yeah, five, two and one. Five, two and one. Okay. So it's, it's uh, five talents to the first, two to the second, one to the third. And the idea is, that you take those talents and you go out and, and of course uses the example of going out and making trade and, and uh, you know, basically expanding what he was given and, and giving back double each time. So the first one comes back with 10, the second one comes back with four and the first one comes back with none. But then our Lord says something interesting. He says, why did you not at least put it into the bank so right. that I could re receive interest on it? Right. Instead, you buried it in the ground. So, what uh, what the illusion here is, and this is kind of the brilliant thing about this whole parable, and I, I, I love reading into it because the return on the talents of the first two stewards is the investment that they put in. They were given the talents. What are the talents? It's tradition. It's mm -hmm. everything that the church, it's the deposit of the faith. Mm -hmm. And so by taking those talents and going out and bringing back an equal number of talents. That's the number of souls that they brought in because of the use of the talents. So the first one has to do with, um, I think it's uh, baptisms. So it's the, the amount of baptisms that come in through the church. The second one has to do with converts, the bringing converts into the church. And the first one has only to do with maintaining the deposit of the faith. But the first one, instead of actually maintaining the deposit of the faith, which would have been simply putting it in a bank and getting interest, because at least then he's maintaining the, uh, the teachings of the church. Instead, he buries them. He doesn't mm -hmm. talk about them. He hides what the church really teaches, and he mm -hmm. remains silent on those things that, are that he's obliged to speak on. So what happens? He has nothing left to give. He, he gives the talent back to the back to the to the to the master, and at the end of the day, he is cast out where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth, because he did not even maintain the faith as it was given to him. Where, where's this commentary on this? Where, where uh, Cornelius Alapidae wrote about okay. this in right. in his commentary on scripture. Huh. And w when did Cornelius Alapidae? When did he live? Cornelius Alapidae. He Lapidae. was a uh, he he was a Jesuit who was writing in response to the Protestant Reformation in the, in the late 1500s. Okay, so he was a Jesuit a long time ago. Yes, okay. one of the good guys. So, so we can probably count on it then. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, if that's the case, and it really is about bishops, if that commentary is, is, is accurate, and it sounds amazing, um, then what of the bishops who are given the talents, 
the deposit of faith, the, the importance of evangelization, souls, the guardians of tradition. Yeah, exactly. The guardians of tradition. What what it what do we make then of those who corrupt it, who twist it, who pervert it? If this one just didn't multiply it, just let it sit there, buried it, what of those then who don't really take it seriously and get out, mm -hmm. but actually squander it, squander it and, and abuse it yep. in such a way where you've got all the financial corruption or you've got the pedophilia, you've got all the, all the breakdown that we've seen from, you know, the mechanics and so forth out there and, you know, all of that. And then of course, you've got those out there who are not speaking out against the politicians who mm -hmm. are supporting child sacrifice. Right. Well, I mean, what do we make of that? Yeah, it, it, we, and I want to jump in here too and say, or, and not just bishops, but us as shepherds, you know, priests mm -hmm. and bishops, inviting politicians to do the second reading and, mm -hmm. and to receive communion, yeah. you know, in front of God and everybody, when this is a politician who, um, you can talk all you want about, you know, past times and the, the, the 1930s in Germany or whatever, uh, but this is a mutilation of millions of babies mm -hmm. that, that this person who was graciously invited and uh, uh, received with, with, uh, with, you know, zeal and joy in, in the Vatican uh, and, and, you know, again, asked to read the second reading and receive communion. Uh, and this is, where, this is how we want to frame it, too. I'm going to do the Burke thing, okay? I'm not condemning anybody right off the bat. Uh, you tell me, priest, who did that and, and invited Pelosi, uh, even Pope, who, you know, gushed over her in front of the cameras, you know, when he had stone face in front of, you know, our, and I call him our Constantine, who was, who was helping us to practice our, our religion, have religious freedom. Now, not so much. We're getting canceled and, and, uh, and, and persecuted under this new regime, Okay. I, not, I hope I'm not losing you what I'm saying here. No, right? we got you. Yeah, and so I, the Burke thing is, I got questions. I got dubia. You know, I, I, you right. know, I and so the, the optics are there. Uh, and we, we were talking earlier too, and I want to get into it. But, you know, you, 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 uh, you sit as you watch people worship, bend down to the ground before a wooden Pachamama, mm. you know, and you are the St. Peter of the world. Okay, so so you set the stage. I got dubia. Okay, mm -hmm. I got I got questions. Yeah. This is what I'm saying, and and these are the optics. Literally, I saw and and please, guys, do you know if this is fake or not? But I saw a monstrance created out of the wooden image of Papa yep. Ma, Pachamama, mm -hmm. so that you could put our Lord in the belly of a pagan idol. Okay, because. I got dubia. <laughs> I got questions. Yeah. Because the Saint Peter of the world set the stage. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. and it's this is this is the diabolical nature of, of that visit with Nancy Pelosi. Because he has time to meet with her, who didn't even come for diplomatic reasons between the United States and Rome. So he can meet with her. He has time to meet with. Father James Martin S.J., right, who is Captain Sodomy. I mean, he's he's pushing everything. The gushing pen pals yeah, too. Exactly. Every, the world saw, you yeah. know, the, the, their pen pals with each other. I mean, this is optics. I got dubia. <laughs> so, speaking of dubia, but he doesn't have time to, to respond Doug, to five. 
<laughs> he doesn't have time to, to respond to five simple yes, no questions. Yeah. Right. He doesn't have time to sit down with Cardinal Zen who right. wanted to plead with him about the church, the state right. of the church in China. Right. He and the, communi- with them, but and he the can communist make- China can right. make bishops. Right. I got dubia. Yes, exactly. I'm going to keep saying that through the whole show. I got dubia. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it sounds like a... Dubia like means a, doubts, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I got well, questions. I, I'm, you know... A bit of a condition you got the going optics, on. The optics, it, this is what I'm seeing. Yeah. So correct me, please, if I'm seeing yeah. wrong. You know? Well, and, and, and it's important for people to understand, anybody who's in the advertising industry, anybody who runs a business knows that presentation is everything. Right. Yep. You know, my wife and I just found this neat little... Um, shop in a small little suburb outside of Tyler and they they serve, you know, iced coffee and, and nutritional drinks. And I got myself a little protein peanut butter, you know, banana type drink and so forth. And this little place, it, it really stands out as a, as a neat little place, but the presentation of it um, is kind of hidden, you know? And if you, if you adjust that in marketing, anybody knows, that's why we spend millions of dollars, you know, Billions of dollars mm-hmm. have been spent in the in, in the marketing industry, in the advertising industry, because the way you present something yep. affects people on multiple levels and draws them in or turns them away from something. So there's no one who can say that there isn't something going on behind the presentation of what's happening here. The optics, really, the way they're presenting all this. And Michael, I think you're right on with the timing of these things. It's, it's like when, when the government floats some message out there, and I know we have to be very strategic with our wording because we know that platforms out there in media are getting very, very, very careful about going after people who say that they are opposed to something that, you know, might be a medical procedure that the government's trying to force and so forth and such. So we float trial balloons out there to get the word out there and get people thinking a little bit, such as, and this is coming to the U.S., I really believe wholeheartedly it will, that we will not be able to fly pretty soon without showing some proof of a medical procedure. Now, that's already happening in, in, uh, to, our, to our friends up north, um, the Justin Trudeau man himself, and, and I think you're right, Father, whenever he gets on his high horse, he gets a dopamine hit. He almost looks excited yeah, as he starts clamping that. down more oh, and more. Oh, man, he got a big dopamine hit there. Yeah, he did. So, you know, we're going to clamp down on people and we're going to, so you float it weeks or months in advance and you put out a couple of comments on this news network or this news network. And then you throw some fear in and you mix it all up in a blender. And pretty soon they can lay this on you because the optics, the presentation have been set up for these things. So I think you're right. You know, Michael, this idea that she shows up at a time like this when the, you know this this discussion is being had about politicians and abortion and receiving holy communion and we've heard the bishops out there who will say well i'm not going to weaponize the eucharist uh, all these terms that are used to present this side of it if we just get back to the gospel message about how clear jesus is about standing your ground on the truth and then i love what you read about about um, you know St. Patrick there. Michael, is there anything historically, have we ever heard anywhere in the church where there've been any writings about how you're not, uh, really you're not allowed to be a Catholic and be part of communism or socialism or, or any of those types of isms? I mean, is there anything out there historically that says you can't associate, be part of these groups and still claim to be Catholic? Oh, sure. Uh, in 1930, the Bishop of Mainz in Germany uh, actually formally condemned the Nazi party 
and forbade Catholics under penalty of uh, not being able to receive Holy Communion or even receive a Catholic funeral. Uh, he, he forbade them under that penalty from joining the ranks of the Nazis. And the reasons he really? gave were kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah so I, so if me, someone today said you can't be Catholic and a Democrat because they're mutilating babies and, and, and destruction yeah. Of, yeah. of traditional marriage, uh, redefining marriage. It's been done several times in history. Yeah. And, yeah. and let's make let, let clear. You said that was 1930, right? Yeah, that was 1930. Okay, so this so, was far before. For anybody out there who hears, because you know, we automatically take the word Nazi and associate it with camps and destruction and so forth. Mm -hmm. This is before any of that had really oh, before. Evolved. It was yeah. percolating. Yeah, it was yeah. percolating, but but it wasn't clear yet that they were going to set up extermination, death camps. Not in the least. This. In fact, the, right. uh, the condemnation had nothing to do with anything related to that. But it spoke of certain theological issues mm. where uh, the Nazis were trying to create a Christianity that was more uh, acclimated to what the state desired and simply didn't go against What's that like. Wanted. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So that was the that was part of the reason why. Uh, and and the, the bishop actually went through the platform of the Nazi party and said, well, they say this, they say this, they say this. And for these reasons. We, we not only condemn them, but any Catholic who joins their ranks is not allowed to receive any of the sacraments, including a funeral, a Catholic funeral. Wow. So can, all can, of that, wow. yeah. Wow, have times changed. Yeah, can I just point out the irony that these were German bishops back then? Yeah. <laughs> Considering where they are now? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're break, they've, they've pretty much effectively <laughs> broken off and started their own faction of the Catholic faith in Germany lately. Well, they, right. in 1938, the, uh, the Bishop of Utrecht in the Netherlands did the same thing, formally hmm. condemned the Nazi party. And then in um, 1949, Pope Pius XII actually condemned the communist party in such a way, it was, it was actually a series of dubia that was sent to um, the, the, uh, the office of the Inquisition that's now the, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. But in 1949, these four questions were sent to the office and it simply asked, um, uh, first of all, can a Catholic become a member of the Communist Party? Yes or no. Second of all, can a Catholic read or write articles for or promote or pass around pamphlets uh, for the Communist Party? Yes or no. Uh, the third question was, are Catholics that do one or two uh, allowed to be admitted to the sacraments? And then the fourth question was, are those Catholics who not only join the, the, the Communist Party, but promote and, and um, uh, support, materially support the programs of the communists, are they ipso facto uh, excommunicated as apostates? Hmm. The answer to the first two questions was that Catholics cannot be members of the Communist Party. Catholics cannot read and promote and write for literature, articles, pamphlets, magazines that promote the Communist Party. Uh, that answer to number three, those who do so are not to be admitted to the Holy Sacraments. And then the last question, are those who join the Communist Party and, and promote their literature and you know, promote their ideologies and their programs, are they excommunicated automatically uh, as apostates? And the answer was yes. Wow. And then two days later, Pope Pius Twelfth elevated that, that response, that, those answers to that dubia, and had it published in the Acta, which means it's now a part of the Deposit of the Faith.
Whoa. Okay. So yeah, and, and, it, and here's the deal is, is horrible. And is, is, is millions of, of people have died under communist rule. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It still does not rise to the level of 1.7 billion children mutilated right. since 1973 worldwide. It still does right. not rise to that level. And yet, if you say that those who advocate the mutilation of these precious little ones uh, should not present themselves for communion, you are just, you're, 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 you're torn apart first in line to tear you apart are our bishops. Right. And, and to simply, I mean, I got into it with Cardinal, um, Cardinal George uh, a number of years ago. I met with him. This would have been 2012. Uh, I had a meeting with him to talk about Canon 915. And in the meeting, and I was there with Judy Brown, and, and while we were meeting, uh, he just sat there and he was kind of attacking American Life League and going after American Life League and the things that Judy has published in articles. And, and uh, I turned it back around and, and, and raised my hand and I said, well, you know, we're here to talk about Canon 915 um, and the denial of communion to pro-abortion politicians. And he said, well, uh, poli those politicians aren't supposed to present themselves to, to Holy Communion. And I said, well, your eminence, that would be Canon 916 which says that the individual who is aware of mortal sin upon his soul is not supposed to present himself to Holy Communion. That puts the onus on the individual, but Canon 915 says that those who are under interdict, excommunicated, or who obstinately persevere in grave manifest sin are not to be admitted to communion. I said those words put the onus on the one giving communion. And he goes, Hey, hey can you show me right now? Show you what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's awesome. You really did that? I did. I did. I want more. So what happened? And, and so I, I said, and, and so the, the onus is now on the individual distributing communion. And Cardinal George said, yeah, Cardinal George said, well, that's according to your own interpretation. Oh, my goodness. And oh, I said, your wow. eminence. Was he Jesuit? I don't know. I don't know. I, I said, your eminence, I'm not trying to be belligerent. I am a member of the faithful, and I'm confused by what you're saying. Would you please explain it to me? Uh how you know ex explain this to me and he, he said uh, i don't have to i don't have to explain that i don't have to explain it cardinal yeah. george doesn't yep. have to explain it you know this gets back to the era too when when uh contraception i mean it was i don't recall ever being told to say this but it was common knowledge that if someone comes and has a question about contraception you're to you're to you're to seek the guidance of your god who is your conscience. Wow. See, your conscience uh, should tell you whether you should. And that's why well, virtually think, all Catholics were contracepting. Yeah, well, they adopted that from the Disney movie, Let Your Conscience Be Your Guide. Mm. Jiminy, Jiminy Cricket, I think, sings no, that I think out there. The Disney Pinocchio got it from us, if you ask yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what it was, actually, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and on top of all of this, I mean, I, I, I don't like to get into personal stuff a lot of times, uh, you know, but... Um, uh father can you hear a confession you right on, now? i just want to say my, oh, michael that's amazing that's yeah that is yeah father wow. can you hear a confession wow, on the wow, podcast wow. right now or is that not allowed is that, what's that i said i don't want to get into personal stuff but father can you hear a confession on the podcast here? That... <laughs> just kidding everybody just kidding uh, but no, no. <laughs> I, yeah well, exactly and I, I yeah uh okay michael you can't do it then but uh no what i'm getting at is <laughs> 
Um, a while back, and I don't want to name specifics on this, I was working in a certain mm, situation. And some people, some parents at this, uh, associated in this situation, heard and saw that I had a video. They were doing some snooping into my YouTube channel, Doug Barry YouTube channel. And I had a video out there and I put it out right after Governor Cuomo signed the infanticide bill. Okay, this was a couple of years back, three years back or so. And I put the video together basically saying, how could you claim to be Catholic and vote right. for the Democrat Party based right. on this as a pillar of their, of their, yeah, of their party and many other things that they do that are egregiously anti-Catholic, anti-God, anti-life and so forth, anti-family. Yeah. And they found out about this video. And because of the video, I was removed from the situation, which was a job. And long story short, get out. Yeah, it was canceled. Yeah. Based, based oh on a video that I put goodness. up. And it was because some parents got upset and they went to the people in charge and they said, we can't have this. This is too, it's too, uh, it's too, uh, it's pricking the conscience. It's bothering us. We don't want this. <laughs> and so basically, I got fired. Heaven forbid. Oh, yeah. you know, it's not cricket, it, old boy. Oh, that's <laughs> exactly, you know, and so, yeah, this is, this is the sort of thing that is so mind blowing that in our modern day and age, and yet it isn't mind blowing because the prophecies of our lady and so forth. Oh no, here come the comets, um, had told us, you know, that we were stepping into a time period when it was going to be so bad that is even our lady of good success said back in the 1600s, 1630s, when she said there would be a time when the one who should speak yeah, remains silent. silent. And it was yeah. a reference to the Holy Father. Yeah. Um, it's believed by many who've studied those apparitions, which have been approved by the church. So, you know, Michael, this is the sort of stuff I know we've all, all three of us have been, you know, call it cancel in one way, shape or form when it comes to speaking out on this stuff. But your advice or encouragement to Catholics out there, this is just as Mother Teresa, St. Mother Teresa would say, it goes with the territory, you know, or, or you know, as, as Mother Angelica would say, just give him Jesus, honey. You know, but she, would, she would also That's remind people, like a guy called EWTN one time when they had live calls coming in and they have a sec, they have a seven second delay button. So if someone says second, something that they can't have on the air when it's live, they hit this button seven seconds and you can cut it before it goes out live over the airways. And he was starting to get into something that was obviously uh, polluted and dark whatever it was, they, they cut it. And all of a sudden it cuts to her and she says, you know, honey, it's because of people like you that fireballs are going to be falling from heaven to this earth. <laughs> she said something along those lines. Wow. So very direct and clear. I guess what I'm saying is we can't be silent in these times when this stuff is getting so overwhelmingly in our mm -hmm. face. We have to be Catholics that are angry justly, justly about what is happening and remember the words that are attributed to St. Augustine that, that hope has two beautiful daughters. One, anger that things are the way they are when they're wrong. And two, the, the courage to stand up and do something about it to try to make right. things right. I love that. Right. I, I, here's a quote I was just thinking about listening to you, Doug, by the way, awesome, uh, is uh, we maintain the peace through our strength. Weakness mm. only invites aggression. Yes. Yeah, and, 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 you know, the silence, right? That's just giving license to evil to just say, okay, we're just going to walk in and take over. And, and, and we're going to tell you to sit down and shut up. That's where we are right now. And, and spiritual leaders are told, you are the first that should shut up. You, are, you have to set the example of shutting up. It, it's, it's unbelievable what's going on right now. 
the 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 spirit anybody that dares speak against this evil this this uh, eruption of evil but infiltration for sure well and it's not in our times and you know it's not even just our church leaders and and michael i don't know if you got a comment on this and what's happened lately with the federal government being allowed through the fbi from the department of uh, of justice, the DOJ, to go after parents who are speaking out publicly right. against things like critical the race theory. Effect. Yeah, I mean, this is being taught in schools now. Everything from transhumanism to critical race theory to whatever it may be. You know, homosexuality, transgenderism is being shoved down our students' throats in schools. Parents are standing up saying, "Wait a minute, what are you teaching our kids? We don't want right. this." Now the DOJ is telling the FBI they can go after them. What are your right, thoughts? Because on they're how terrorists this is happening. They're terrorists. They're calling them terror, domestic, a form of domestic terrorism. Sure. So, and and how are they getting away with calling them terrorists? It's because the things that the parents are trying to protect their students from their, their own children, the things they're trying to protect them from are now protected acts. And so going against those protected acts is a hate crime. Mm -hmm. So if you speak out against certain things, if you try and, and uh, get rid of certain things, well, now you're committing a hate crime. In, and by going in and saying, we don't want books on transgenderism, we don't want books on LGBT you know, nonsense, we don't want these, these uh, uh, what do you call them, transgender story hour or whatever, uh, we don't want those things. And now the government's turning around and saying, well, you, you're only doing that because you hate those people, and therefore what you're doing is actually a hate crime. So getting rid of certain books is now a hate crime. Or speaking out against a certain curriculum is a hate crime. And, and because a hate crime is now brought under the Patriot Act, what do you have? Yeah. You, you've yeah. got that, that combined arms now going yeah. against the family to say th- this can now be deemed domestic terrorism. And with the domestic terrorism, we can go in, we can take you, we can take your kids, we can take your house, we can, you know, you can get canceled from your job. Uh, you know, whatever it is, that's the level of of bullying that is coming down the pipe. And the scary thing is that by calling it terrorism, it's there's a whole separate tribunal process that goes for terrorists so that it's not it doesn't go through the regular court system. You can be arrested for a terrorist act and thrown into a federal prison without a trial, without being able to see your lawyer, and you can be held there for months and years. And, and nobody would even know where you are because they wouldn't tell anyone. Yeah. All right. So the, the, the kind of thing that we are facing from the kind of, uh, you know, we can laugh and, and uh, look at the, the incompetence of the Biden regime and uh, those uh, old harpies that are surrounding him. But the fact of the matter is these people are evil and they're dangerous and they're trying to destroy the family. And as long as we understand that their their goal is to destroy the family, it's not just that they're trying to maintain abortion as a sacrament, and it's not just that they're trying to support oppressed people who are LGBT, whatever. Th- those are only tools in their toolbox. Mm-hmm. What they're trying to do, the, their end game, is to destroy the family. And it reminds me of the, um, the way the church was under um, Julian the Apostate. I don't know if your listeners are familiar with Julian the Apostate, but... What he did, Julian was a professed Christian, okay? He, he was a Christian. He was the nephew of, um, of Constantine, and uh, he became the emperor. And at first, he was very Christian. You know, I'm Christian, you know, but I want to loosen the laws so that pagans can now have access to public services, and they can have their festivals and things like that in public and everything else. So he loosened the laws first, 
The next step was then to start applying the law unequally. So if a Christian committed a crime, he had the, uh, the judges put the full force and weight of the law on top of those Christians. But if a pagan cr committed a crime, well, they got off on a light sentence. You know, well, wow, does that yeah. look familiar? Doesn't it? Wow. Doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And the whole idea was that the church had gone through bloody persecution after bloody persecution after bloody persecution, and it only grew. So what Julian the Apostate was trying to do was actually smother the church with a giant sure. pillow. Just put that pillow right over the church's face and, and yeah. smother it in its infancy. And uh, he, all, he, he very nearly succeeded if he hadn't uh, died in, in combat. But if you, if you look at uh, what happened afterward, it was revealed that oh, he was a pagan. He started participating in pagan ceremonies. In fact, after he died, they went into his... Uh, into his rooms, they found a secret chamber where he was practicing black magic and human sacrifice. I mean, wow, what's that yeah. like? Yeah, uh, yeah, it, that's that's replete all through Washington and Hollywood, San Francisco. All the you know, yeah. all the, that practice. You talk to an exorcist; they don't have enough exorcists to handle all the the Wiccans and the Satanists that are out there right now. It's it's unbelievable. Well, this is why during the campaign, I kept referring to Biden as Biden the apostate. Mm. Wow, because. I knew that he was going to try to do the same thing that Julian did. And uh, the unfortunate thing is that he seems to have an ally in Rome now. Mm. I know. Well, and I know a lot of our at listeners, least, at least the optics are that. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going to always qualify that. I got dubia. The optics, uh, Yeah. I got dubia. Know. Yeah. I mean, come on. I, I'm not, I don't want to sit here and accuse or defame or anything, but I, I got problems with these optics. I really do. Yeah. And, and so Please, please, if, if it's not what I think I'm seeing, please tell us otherwise. Yeah. This has been the problem all along. Yeah. You know, that, that, that you know, you're, you're sitting there w watching people worship a wooden pagan idol. And, and I got problems with that. Can you please? Well, and then, and then it goes to the level of some parishes uh, having prayers to the Pachamama. Yeah. Right. Worked into their of parish. Of course that was going to happen. Yeah. You just, you because so, the St. Peter of the world. Yeah, you just you see know, it by optics rolling that you way. Know, just, uh, well, for crying set, out loud, set the precedent. You know, the uh, you taught, speaking of the Pachamama, we just did a report that came out last week, and uh, in that report, what I showed is that the um, Caritas Internationalis, which is actually a Vatican agency, it's run out of the Vatican. Oh, yeah, yeah. Please get into this. Okay, Cardinal Tagle is the president of. Uh, Caritas Internationalis. It's the umbrella organization for all of the aid and development groups throughout the world. You can, you, by the way, uh, your listeners or your viewers can go to our website, lepantoin.org, and just look for the, uh, the article on there that's all about the Vatican having... Um, and, and you got a really nice video that, that goes into it all, too. Yeah. I, I yeah. watched it today. Awesome. Go ahead. So the, uh, what we found is that Caritas Internationalis which it's the umbrella group for like Catholic Relief Services, Catholic Services or Catholic Charities USA, um, KFOD, Development and Peace up in, in Canada, Troker in Ireland, anything that's got the name Caritas on it, it's, it's part of the Caritas network. Anyway, Caritas Internationalis, again, run out of the Vatican, is on the governing body. It's on something called the International Council of an international communist organization called the World Social Forum. And when I say communist, I'm not being flippant. I mean, these people parade through the streets with banners of Karl Marx right. and hammer and sickle flags. 
And right. we've got photos of that in our report. Yep. But the most disturbing thing that we found. Wait, is, is, that, that, is that, I'm sorry, real quick, uh, Michael, is that hammer and sickle the same image that was on that pink hat that Jen Psaki was wearing some time ago? Uh, I, yeah, I don't. Actually. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I just had to throw <laughs> that in there. Could talk about optics. There's a picture. She was given a hat at some Russian get together several years back. And she's wearing this pink hat. It's like a little Russian beret oh looking thing. And it's got the hammer and sickle in the middle. And she's, you know, doing so much to help the Biden uh, regime. Anyway, had to throw yeah. that in there. Well, just but you just, you it up just elevated her in this climate. You, did, you, didn't, you didn't. Well, that's true. Some people are going to look at that as, <laughs> oh, well, then we should that, be calling on her more often. Well, maybe then. she's uh, going to be the next to visit Pope Francis. Exactly. Ooh, um, Ouch. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the thing. The I got thing dubia. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the most disturbing thing that we found, though, about Caritas's affiliation with the World Social Forum is that the World Social Forum had all of this promotion, not just of abortion, but of the Pachamama in relation to abortion. They even conducted this ritual where they were holding up water and pouring water from a cistern and saying, this is the blood of the blood earth. Of earth. Yep. Yeah. And, and the blood of the earth, because we have water within us, we have the blood of the earth in our own veins too. And then they had seeds and they said seeds are part of this ritual. And they kept referring to it as a ritual. And then this woman gets on there and she says, I bring the element of light. And she holds up a black candle. No lie. This is a black candle. And it's uh, it, the only way you find a black candle or at requiem masses or in witchcraft. Those are the only two places you're going to find those. And I'm pretty sure she wasn't at a Requiem Mass. So draw your own conclusion. But they were all praying to the Pachamama through this ritual, asking the Pachamama to give them guidance and protection as they were putting forward their endeavor to bring abortion to the rest of the world, specifically Poland and, and the other Catholic countries of the world. And this is all under the guise of the World Social Forum, which Caritas Internationalis is on the governing body of. Right. All right. We got to get a link. We need to get a link in the description here for this because you've written this whole article. You've written. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's this. fascinating. Yeah. And I was commenting too. I want to say it too live because I don't think I said it live. Mm. But the way you write and the way you speak, I just absolutely love it, Michael, because you're very clear and you got bullet points. And uh, as men in particular like, like it that way. But it's just very, very clear as a bell. Mm. Uh, when you lay things out. So really encourage people to go and look at this. It's, yeah. it's shocking, really. Yeah, and I got to say- They're on the governing body. In fact, you make the yeah. point in there that this stuff can't get through unless they approve it. Right. Right. And this is from the Vatican. The Vatican has to, these, these uh, what, what would you call it? Uh, I don't want to call it the Vatican, but they're- they're uh, Caritas. They're a part of the Vatican. Yeah. Right. They're, yeah. they're a Vatican agency. A Vatican agency. Thank you. Um, but, uh, but they're on the board and approving yeah. all this stuff. Well, and the, uh, Caritas and CIDSE is their sister organization. They were part of the revamping of the international council of the world social forum back in 2017, where they gave more authority and more oversight and more ability to guide and direct and, uh, decide what gets promoted at the world social forum. So when Caritas went through this process with them, with reorganizing and restructuring the International Council, they actually voted for themselves greater authority and greater power so that they could more 
intimately control what was going on. And it was through that process that these feminists, I mean, these, these women are screeching harpies, they're horrible, but they, these feminists come in there and they're all holding up these green berets that they were all parading around when they decriminalized abortion in Argentina. And they were all cheering this on as this was a huge victory for them. And then they were saying, we're going to take this to other countries. We're going to keep promoting it and pushing it and everything else. So yeah, this couldn't have happened without Caritas's uh, wow. approval. Wow. Yeah. You know, this is, I mean, we look at the spiritual um, eyesight of someone like a sister Lucia who made clear that she was told by our lady that the final battle between the kingdom of heaven and Satan would be over marriage and family, right. the destruction of family, the destruction of marriage, the slaughter of innocent clearly, you know, fits underneath that, this intense growing right. ramped up battle against marriage and family on all these different levels, you know, yeah. the division, you, you divide the people with things like critical race theory and, and you, you push things down our throats like uh, transgenderism and all these types of things that are going on, the LGBTQ LMNLP groups and so forth that are out there that are just all about completely destroying communism in general. And I know, Michael, you know a lot about this, the Bolshevik revolutions. When all that happened, one of the main pushes was to destroy morality. It wasn't just a, a form of government uh, or an economy, you know, for a country. It was also about destroying the morality of the people. You know, I think it was Stalin, some quote where he says, you know, limit yourself to four sexual partners only, you know, <laughs> that it, it, you get a little greedy if you go beyond four. I mean, there was actually a, a time period in the early, um, you know, Bolshevik revolution and, and communism in the early years where, I, and I don't know how long it carried on, but that men would have the right to pick women off the street several times a week, any woman, whether she was married or not. If the man was part of some club or group or whatever you want to call it, old boys club, you know, at the time in Russia, they could pick women, married, unmarried, young, old, and have their way with them sexually. The, just anything that would break down the sexual morality, which I find interesting that that was such a push of communism. And yet in our schools, and I know, Michael, you could speak to this. And Father, you grew up since you're, you're older than, than all of us here. You've seen... Older than sin. Go ahead. Old, old, well, you're not that old, but, <laughs> but just the, the constant indoctrination through the school systems to accept socialism, Marxism, communism that's been going on for decades now in America and other parts of the world, but especially here in America, we've seen this. We interviewed someone on Life on the Rock years ago when I hosted it, co-hosted it with Father Mark Mary, and they were doing surveys on sexual problems and, and STDs and so forth in colleges. They pointed out, and this was probably, I'm going to guess eight, nine, maybe 10 years ago, they pointed out that when the average woman graduated from college this is the average woman she had had anywhere from 12 to 18 sexual partners okay what the average young man had had 20 24 two dozen or more wow this this was you know really lumping all schools together across the country these were surveys that they, they discovered this in the point i'm getting at is you go back to the time of the Bolshevik revolutions and the beginning of communism and so forth they they forced this upon people there was this push to destroy we're living mm -hmm. in a time now where high school and college, this is rampant and it's willingly open. It's just, it's just the way to do it, the sexual breakdown. So when Our Lady in, in a good success in the 1630s states that there would come a time, which it is very much believed it was the 1900s, when these messages were largely discovered. And she said right. the messages would be for the time that they were discovered. She said there would be a time when impurity would flow through the streets like a filthy ocean. And that you would have almost no woman understand what modesty was. I mean, yeah. all that we're living through right now, and I know I'm, I'm speaking comet, dark, doom and gloom, heavy talk. I'm not trying to bring people down, but 
these are the warnings of our blessed mother. I mean, she yeah. has brought this. And I've, I love what St. Maximilian Colby writes, that the will of Our Lady is in perfect sync with the will of her son. So nothing she says is apart from what her son would say. The messages of Our Lady are, in fact, the messages of her son. You can't basically divide this out as if our Lord is saying, I'm sorry, Mom, what did you say to him? I, that, no, that's not what I would want. Th that's not happening. So for the messages to come to us that we're in this final battle between the kingdom of heaven and Satan, and it's over marriage and family, and we see governments doing the things that they're doing, and the slaughter, as you mentioned, Father, 1.7 billion babies estimated, you know, and that's not even counting that Planned Parenthood, I'm sure, is lying. Right. And that doesn't even count the abortifacients from birth right. control, which almost never gets talked about right. or preached about oh, yeah. anywhere. And I know, Michael, you've dug into, you know, even, even the church's ties through certain religious organizations that are out there promoting to third world countries and others, you know, uh, contraceptives and yep. so forth. I mean, it, it, it's, we're in such a very, very difficult time. So not to end on a dark note here, because, you know, we, I, get, I get, you know, accused of that sometimes. Um, the hope is found in... In what? I mean, the rosary and adoration and yeah. the basics of the faith. Michael, can you speak to where we, where we find the strength to fight this battle and be faithful to God in the thick of all this? Can, can, you, can you give a shot in the arm to everybody? You know, one of my favorite memes online right now is the one that shows uh, Mr. Clean from the back. And you see this meteor streaking through the sky. And underneath it says, soon, it will all be clean. <laughs> oh, that is but, good. <laughs> but, you know, uh, on, on that kind of note, it's, there is a, a satisfaction to be understood in, in what our Lord, uh, Our Lady said it in the Magnificat. He has cast the mighty down from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. Yep. And it's not, it's not said in the future tense. It's said in the past tense. And, and we have to understand that the casting the, down the, of the mighty from their thrones and the lifting up of the lowly, if you really want to understand it, you have to read the book of, of Esther. Uh, what happened in the book of Esther? Esther is, is a prefiguring of Our Lady, by the way, but Esther was a very beautiful woman. She was a Jew, and she was living in Babylon uh, after the Babylonian captivity. The Jews were allowed to return to their homeland, but a lot of the Jews remained in, in Babylon. And the king at the time had put away his wife because she disobeyed him. And so he said, we, I need to find a new queen. So he sends people out to go find a new queen. And he discovers Esther. And he falls instantly in love with her. Absolutely madly in love with her. He's totally taken in by her beauty. And she, being a Jew, there, there was a law. She was not allowed to uh, become the queen. But she hid the fact that she was a Jew. And he took her in and he, she and her, um, her uncle, I believe it's her uncle uh, who pretty much raised her because she was an orphan. Uh, they uncovered a couple of plots on the King's life and saved his life. And he, he was very thankful for that and had it written down in the books, but never did anything about it. Fast forward. There was a, one of the King's servants who was very full of himself. I mean, very prideful, incredibly prideful. And he would go through the streets and he wanted everybody to bow their heads to him as if he was a god. And uh, it was um, Esther's uncle who refused, refused to bow his head. And so this guy 
uh, decided he was going to create a plot whereby uh, he was going to have this, this guy executed. So he has these gallows built, the, these, the scaffolding where he's going to be executed. And um, he then tricks the king or convinces the king to put out an edict to execute all the Jews. And the king, you know, agrees for whatever reason, says, okay, we'll go ahead and execute the Jews. And um, Esther is approached by her uncle and says, look, you've got to approach the king. And she said, if I do that, I'll be revealing myself as a Jew and uh, my life will be forfeit as well. And he said, it's the only recourse. This is what you have to do. So she goes to him and she tells him uh, of the great and mighty deed that her uncle had, had done in saving his life. She reminds him of that. And he says, wait a minute, have I ever done anything to reward him for this? And she says, no, my Lord, you haven't. And he says, well, then I will. And she, he calls him in and says, anything you want, whatever it is, ask it and I will do it. And uh, so then he says, uh, please don't, uh, don't kill all the Jews. So he decides not to. And then through the course of this, it's revealed what this one servant had, had been plotting to do. The king discovers the plot and has him executed on his own gallows. So if we want to understand the great reversal that is going to take place when all of this comes to bear, there is going to be a great suffering. There's going to be an oppression and it's going to look like everything is lost. But at the last moment, the queen is the one who's going to step in. She's going to speak to the king and reveal the plot. And that is when the king is going to host, hoist the enemy on his own petard. Wow, that's, that's cool. awesome, Michael. Thank you. And it's a great way for us to conclude, too. Mm. I'll only add this. I just want to uh, circle back uh, to what I said <laughs> about the 450th anniversary of the Battle of Lepanto. And um, the, the two great weapons we've been given mm -hmm. is the Holy Eucharist. Mm -hmm. um, it was December 21st. We got that sign of the Christmas star, 800 years, the first time like that in 800 years, the, the 800 years ago, when it, when last time it did that, that was when um, the practice of Eucharistic adoration came out of the monasteries into the parishes. So we were given that sign. We were also given the sign of uh, Agnes of Sagawa and, and uh, Our Lady telling uh, us to put on ashes and pray a repentant rosary. Right. The rosary, the Holy Eucharist, that's what that's what's going to uh, bring our appeal more readily to God. I'll mm. put it that yep. way. Mm. And and uh, we we've been trying so hard to to do that and promote it. And uh, and I know you guys uh, have been uh, central in all that. So uh, this has been very very awesome. I hope everybody enjoyed this. And uh, so let's end with a prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Michael. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Doug.